Welcome to Base Space. A crypto podcast. Ben, we're, we're super excited to have you uh, on the base space. Uh, for those that new tuning in, uh, this is a crypto podcast hosted by myself, the Crypto Mewtwo, Chase Coins, and Super High that creates opportunities for growth, networking, and education in the crypto industry. Uh, today, we have the honor of having Benny Bitcoins, aka Ben, head of BD at Solana. Welcome to the show, Ben. We're pumped to have you on, man. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, no, we're we're super excited to have you here as well, and it's kind of trend. It's kind of a tradition over here that anytime we bring on a new guest that we haven't had on the show before, we always like to hear how they got into crypto. Love to hear your story. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I got into crypto uh, back in late 2016, early 2017. Um, I was just graduating college at the time and had joined a non-crypto startup um, uh, out of school. Uh, but at that time, like the ICO market was really taking off and it was the first time that, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum had really like caught my eye. So I, I sat down one weekend and was like, I'm just going to, you know, understand the fundamentals of Bitcoin and why people think it's valuable. Um, and uh, over the course of that weekend, it, it all really just like clicked with me uh, to the point where I was just obsessed. Um, I was I was researching crypto every night after work and on the weekends um, and uh, eventually got to the point where I was like, all right, I need to just uh, I need to just do this full time. So I quit my job and just had the uh, actually the the person who uh, convinced me to quit my job was Brian Flynn, who's now the CEO of uh, of Rabbit Hole. If you guys are familiar, but um, he was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna quit my job, and I'm just gonna write blog posts and tweet." And I was like, "You're fucking nuts, dude! Like that's that's crazy." But um, like two months later, I ended up doing the same thing. I just started writing blog posts about stuff I was interested in and networking with people in the space. Um, and I ended up getting a contractor job with Consensus, where I was working specifically with Gitcoin, which is a bounties platform on Ethereum, um, just doing like marketing and like social media management for them um, with the intention of, you know, just building up my resume and getting to uh, I really wanted to get to the investment side because I realized how early it was in the space back in 2017. Um, so I kind of just worked for three to six months. Uh, put some put some experience on my my resume and like kind of built my Twitter following and my network. Um, and then I got a job at Multicoin Capital in at the end of 2018. Um, I joined the investment team there, uh, and I was there for about two years. Um, and then after my my two year stint at Multicoin, I was looking to get back to the project side, and that led me back to a portfolio company of ours at the time was Solana. Uh, and they were looking for somebody uh, who had my my skill set to come and help grow the ecosystem back uh, back in the early days, and uh, ended up joining. And the rest is history. Yeah, that's that's super cool, man. Yeah, we have a lot of people uh, that have come into the community and just uh, saw the opportunity and spontaneously wound up quitting their their jobs and then jumping into the space. It's it's pretty cool to see uh, just like the community grow and. Uh, just random community members also just become part of the become part of the the uh, you know development team or business team whatever it might be that they they kind of find their their passion in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm uh I'm curious. Like, obviously now you're you're head of BD at, at Solana. Like, what kind of led you down that path to to making it up to that role? Um, so I joined relatively early. Um, I think I was the 21st employee at Solana Labs. Um, and back then, uh, the BD team was like pretty much me, Raj and uh, Dom, who's now our like head of ecosystem uh, in, in, uh, in Eastern uh, Asia. Um, so at the time, like it was like a three man job to like bootstrap the Solana ecosystem. Um, and we basically put together the three of us basically put together like a whole strategy for like how we got teams building on Solana. And we, you know, 
brought down roadblocks that they had, you know, fixed developer tooling and um, help, assisted them with marketing and legal and whatever they needed to like keep people in the Solana ecosystem so that they continued building. Um, and then slowly that community of people brought on another community of people. Um, and this, this was kind of like a recursive thing that we were doing with the hackathons that we kind of run every like two to three months. And like with each new hackathon, like the previous hackathon participants would like kind of bring in a new cohort of people and the ecosystem kind of snowballed, uh, like that. So I think my, I kind of grew into my current role as a product of just, just being here, uh, for a while in comparison to, uh, some of the newer hires that we've made over the last 12 months, um, and yeah, I just, uh, I would say that like my work experience is largely crypto native. Um, so when it comes to BD, I mean, I still love doing like all the stuff that I was doing when I was at Multicoin, like a lot of the research and keeping an eye on where the space is going and what's like new and exciting. And basically that's what I get to do now is just like talk to like the bleeding edge projects and like figure out where the puck is going for crypto and how can we get, uh, people building those products now on Solana so that when that stuff does hit the mainstream, that Solana is poised to capture some of those users um, and uh, have people building really cool applications. Got it. So yeah, that was kind of like my next question is like, what, what does BD like really meet, really uh, do like within like an L1 ecosystem? It kind of, it kind of sounds like uh, you're primarily working through like different partnerships or, are looking to scout out new new protocols, correct? To bring out to the ecosystem. Yeah, there's there's a, like it's a pretty broad view. Uh, we're we're doing a better job of of scoping our work so that um, we have not such a broad view because it's it's very hard to like do a lot of things adequately when you're focused on like ten different jobs. So um, right now, my what I'm focused on is um, specifically the DeFi sector of Solana and how we can like bring elevate that to the next level. Um, like what new products would be interesting for people to use and what's really holding people up from bringing in more capital into Web3 generally. And I think like one of the things that I, I'm, I'm pretty hyper-focused on right now is how do we, how do we break down this barrier between crypto finance and traditional finance. Um, and I think one of the things that I'm realizing now is that a lot of these finance firms are hesitant to get into crypto trading on decentralized rails. Like they'll trade on uh, centralized exchanges, but they won't trade on DEXs because the KYC isn't there and their compliance teams can't get comfortable with trading on those exchanges because they don't always know who the counterparty is on the other end of the book. Um, so that's a problem that I'm like hyper-focused on right now. It's like, how do we solve that issue so that we can kind of like bring in this like tsunami wall of, of capital into crypto and hopefully like, you know, increase liquidity across the board and like make the user experience generally better for everybody who's, who's operating it. So that's just like one example. Um, but at the same time, I'm also focused on, uh, partnerships as well. So like, uh, one of the most recent ones that I worked on was the partnership that we did with Brave, where Brave's now integrating uh, Solana into their in-browser wallet on both desktop and mobile. So that'll be promotive of a lot of the mobile applications that are coming to Solana in the next like six to 12 months and making sure that we have like the right uh, entry points for our users to interact with these applications. Um, and uh, in addition to that, there's like a lot of stuff that we're just like super excited about um, in the crypto space generally and a lot of stuff that we're working on internally. So like one of the things that we think is going to be like really big that's already like getting a ton of traction on Ethereum is the DAO ecosystem. So we want to make sure that we build the proper dev tooling and reference implementations that people might need to come and easily spin up DAOs in the Solana ecosystem as they have in, in uh, Ethereum and other ecosystems. Yeah, wow, you're you're definitely wearing a lot of hats, my man. So uh, I think uh, you, you definitely have a lot going on. Obviously, highly focused on bringing in new users into the ecosystem, new developers, uh, you know, new, new quote unquote like customers, almost like financial institutions. So, um, you know, super interesting to have kind of that overview in mind. Um, and for everyone listening, maybe on like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we have 
like a ton of like uh, I would call people that aren't so like crypto from crypto familiar uh, listening in on those channels. So it'd be really helpful if you could give us like a high level overview of, of what Solana is uh, before we dive kind of deeper into the protocol itself. Yeah, sure. Um, so Solana is a, a layer one blockchain similar to uh, Ethereum or Avalanche or some of these other blockchains where you can build applications on top of. Um, so the, the main differentiator between uh, Solana and some of the competition is uh, Solana is architected in a way that allows for sub second block confirmations, which means, you know, transactions get confirmed a lot faster and that uh uh, fees are fractions of a penny. Um, and there's a few things that go into this. And one of the most important things is a concept called proof of history, where uh, effectively there's like a cryptographic clock. Um, it's just a hash function running over uh, itself recursively um, that kind of creates like this source of time within the blockchain. Um, so that it makes it easier for where in other blockchains, nodes all need to be synchronous, meaning they need to come to agreement at the same time to confirm that these transactions are indeed valid. Whereas in Solana, uh, this cryptographic clock effectively timestamps transactions on the Solana blockchain. And then that, that ledger is distributed to all the nodes. So it doesn't matter at what time the node in China um, gets the data that the node in the U.S. is also getting, they can properly rebuild the verifiable truth of like how the transactions are ordered and how they were processed um, without needing to come to synchronous time. So that allows for, uh, for a, a heavy speed up in how fast pr uh, transactions are processed. Um, so that's uh, pretty, pretty high level on like the, the, the benefit of Solana versus the others. And I'm sure we can go into other details. Yeah, thank you for diving at a high level um, and on that, Ben. I, I think it's really interesting how Solana is approaching that trilemma, the, the trilemma problem for blockchains, which for those who are tuning in that that are newer as me too hinted at is <clears throat> you kind of have to pick two out of three and you have security, speed, and, and decentralization. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really interesting how how you guys are going about using the uh, the proof of history. Um, I'm curious, like how, how does... How do the clocks sync? Can you kind of dive into that a little bit more? Like how, how are all the nodes kind of coming to agreement of like the time, if you will? Yeah, so it's it's like there's actually, uh, I mean, there's like some really great resources that we've written up on these um, that are on the, the Solana website. Uh, if you go to like the news tab, there's also one uh, on proof of history. Um, but But effectively, it's a the there's a certain level that um uh hardware can run these hash functions and then there's like a level beyond that that like they they like physically can't reach unless there's a massive increase in the processing of the hardware so you can make the assumption that everybody is approximately on the same clock as long as they're running similar hardware um, so all the nodes in the network are running similar hardware that all have approximately the same uh, processing power. So they're all running these hash functions at about the same time. So they all effectively have like this same source of truth, the same clock. Um, and then there's no, there's no, there, there is risk that some of them fall behind. Um, and then eventually, you know, it's just like any other blockchain that, you know, you follow the longest chain and then they'll catch up eventually, even though if they're, if their clock is behind. Um, but there's no risk that one of them is going to be producing this time clock at like a, a rapid rate when the rest of them are behind. Um, so, so it's, the, it's really like the, the limits of the hardware currently in processing these recursive functions that, that allows all of them to, to be synchronous on this, this cryptographic clock. Gotcha. And can you touch on the various stakeholders within the Solana ecosystem from my understanding um, there's kind of multiple parties involved to support the transactions going through within the ecosystem. Yeah, from like an infrastructure level, like the validators and like RPC nodes and like that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, um, so uh, just to just to preface, um, not as deeply technical as some of the people on like the Solana Foundation team that handle the validators specifically, but I, I would say that the core the core nodes that you have to worry about are effectively the RPC nodes that are 
you can think of them as kind of like routers for transactions as they come through from from dApps and other endpoints like client endpoints where the transactions are being generated um, and then the RPC nodes are then like these like batch points that then send them to the the validators for confirmation of validity and you know the proper ordering of the transactions um, so that's why that's where it kind of like if you've seen some of like the the uh, network instability that Solana's had over the last like quarter or so, um, they've constantly been overloaded at these RPC endpoints because the RPC servers are effectively getting overloaded with the transaction demand. So it's actually not a fault of the uh, it's actually not a fault of the, uh, the 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 validation capacity and the capacity of the network. It's a fault of like the the transfer of these transactions to get to the endpoint where they would be validated. Um, and that's a lot of the stuff that we're like working on optimizing right now. Um, it was actually a blessing in disguise that Solana reached this like level of adoption so quickly because it allows us to fix a lot of these problems that have come up uh, before we reach that like 10x level of adoption, uh, ho hopefully sometime in the next couple of years, next cycle. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you for diving that. I'm actually curious, kind of like on the same topic, like say someone tuning in, they want to be a validator for Solana. Like what, what is the hardware requirements look like? Um, just kind of like at a higher level or maybe in just kind of from like a, um, a capital perspective. Um, what is it, what does it kind of look like for an, an individual to start being a validator for Solana? Yeah. Um, so uh, Solana does have uh larger va validator and node requirements than a lot of other blockchains do. Um, but it's still, it's, it, it kind of gets like misconstrued um, a, a little bit. I, I, I would say that you can run a server uh, that runs a Solana validator for a, a annualized cost of somewhere in the ballpark of 2000 to $2,500 a year. Um, and if you go to Solana.Foundation, there's a ton of information about network requirements and um, uh, validator requirements and like also like a, uh, a bootstrapping plan. So the Solana Foundation runs a, a stake program where if you can prove that you can hit a certain level of uptime and you run a certain um, degree of service through your validator that you can get delegated stake from the foundation. So we're effectively like the, the, the Solana foundation effectively subsidizes your growth as a validator and like joining the network for a period of time to kind of like bootstrap you. And then like, you know, once you've got reached a level that you can kind of run on your own and other people are delegating their stake to you as like a proven node, then, you know, we'll remove that stake. So there's a ton of information that people can find on Solana.foundation. Gotcha. And and the one that you talked about, that's around like two, uh, 2,000 to 2,500 a year on cost. Is that like running it through like AWS? Or yeah. Like yeah. Kind of third party? Okay. Yep. And if you go to same website, Solana Down Foundation backslash server program, there's a ton of information there on uh, running um, uh, nodes in like data centers around the world. And um, we're rapidly looking to expand offerings uh, there. Um, so like we understand that running, uh, for example, if you ran all of the Solana nodes in the United States through one AWS location in California, that's very bad for the decentralization of the network because if AWS in California goes down, then the whole network goes down. So uh, what the Solana Foundation is doing with the server program is reaching out to data centers all over the world, uh, Europe, Asia, United States, all over the world to ensure that people can run nodes around the world so that we don't have those those centralizing points of failure. Uh, it just takes a while to, uh, to, to do that from a network perspective and taking into consideration that Solana is not even two years old yet. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I foresee the future being a massive amount of growth. And it's going to be really interesting <clears throat> to see how the business model is going to change. And I feel like Amazon did such a, a great job kind of front running with AWS, you know, and as more and more protocols come online, I could see just like the node center, or like being a node operator, or providing that server space. Um, it's going to be in, in high demand in the future.
outside of being a, a validator, um, even if you, you know, if you don't have the capital to do that, or even the capital to do the AWS version, you can still stake, right? Like you can kind of stake with the validator as like an individual, a smaller holder. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you go to Solana beach, uh, dot IO, uh, and go to the validators tab, um, it, there's a very clear dashboard on like the top validators by stake weight. Um, and you can stake to any of these validators and earn uh, sole rewards from staking. Um, and it's a super simple process. Um, uh, there's two primary ways that people go about staking. Uh, you can stake through Soulflare wallet, which is a web wallet. And now they do have a, a mobile app. Or you can stake through uh, the plugin Phantom um, and uh, select the validator that you'd like to stake to there and sign the, the, the transaction and uh, start earning yield um, by staking. So it's uh, super intuitive and there's guides on both the Soulflare website or the Phantom website if people are interested in doing that. That's awesome. Thank you for uh, dropping those resources. Um, for this next question, I just want to preface it and say, you know, I have used Solana and it is a, a really smooth user experience. And I think you guys have an extremely, extremely clean UI. Um, and so I, I had a question around, so Solana's had a few hiccups over the last year, just with the protocol going offline. I was mm -hmm. wondering if you could kind of expand on what occurred in these instances as like really kind of like what was really happening kind of underneath the hood. And uh, what, what are some of the things that Solana is doing to mitigate that like in the future? Yeah, so uh, again, I'll preface that I'm not a, a core engineer, um, so I can't speak to these as intuitively as they can. Um, but there's been a couple different things that have happened, um, like the the actual outage that occurred back in September had a different reason for the general network degradation that we saw in late December and early January. Um, so the, the most recent one that happened, as I understand it from the engineers, is there's um, a, a what is referred to as a compute limit in Solana. Um, so there's like effective amount of com compute units uh, per block that are allowed. Um, and some applications take up a lot more compute units than others. Uh, so when people are trying to interact with certain applications all at one time, there are certain applications that are eating up all the compute units for that block. So then other transactions can't get into that block and everyone's kind of like competing for um, this, like this, this bottleneck into uh, the, uh, the, the block. And so I, I will preface this, that like these, the, the amount of transactions that we were seeing uh, during these network degradation times were like on the order of, 500 to 600,000 transactions per second. Um, so it's not like, like e it's even above, it's like well above the max theoretical limit of the Solana blockchain right now, which is about 50,000 transactions per second. Um, so basically what is happening right now is uh, the validator network and uh, the, the core uh, developers are working on ways to basically like optimize these compute un units and make sure that there aren't specific accounts that can basically like lock up all of the availability for compute in each one of these blocks, especially during times of like high network congestion. Um, when, when everyone's trying to get transactions in like open or closed positions, like we saw when the network was kind of taking a dive back in January. Um, so uh, long story short, there's a, a lot of optimizations that need to be made from like the, the broader uh, Solana ecosystem. Um, and it's just, it's kind of a blessing in disguise that they're happening now rather than, you know, two, four, six years down the line, um, so that we can get them fixed before, you know, we have some serious, uh, adoption in, in web three. Right. Okay. So, wow, that, that's a lot of transactions per second. So I'm assuming that this wasn't from, um, kind of organic use and just seeing a lot of high traffic, um, from the dApps that this was kind of like a malicious, like a bad actor kind of DDoSing. It was, um, it was kind will. of a, it was kind of a mix of both. Um, yeah. So we did, we did isolate some accounts that were just 
specifically spamming certain applications with like repetitive transactions, not specifically trying to do anything other than spam with transactions. And there was also just like an, a, like a heightened amount of people trying to interact with Solana at that time, because people did have positions in DeFi that they needed to alter when the market declined, you know, 40% in span of like three days. Um, so it was kind of like this perfect storm of like people just messing with the blockchain and people also, uh, needing to use it, that it kind of like it, it, it all pulled into this, this, this mess that, uh, that kind of made it a bad experience for everybody. But the, what's the most important thing is the learnings that we've gotten out of that are like invaluable. Um, and having, uh, the data from all of those to dig back through and specifically identify pain points um is is super uh super encouraging for the future of solana um and uh just want to like state that in no way are any of these like unfixable it's just you know a product of an early software um that that uh that we will continue improving over the course of the next few years i love that thanks for uh diving into that and providing some context Hey, Ben. Um, you have to excuse me. I'm getting over being sick. That's why my voice is like this. But as head of uh, business development, I'm just curious what your general appetite is um, that you're seeing from builders within the ecosystem. So like DeFi, GameFi, NFTs, DAOs. Sorry, man. I cut out there for a second. Could you could you restate that? Yeah, of course. Um, I was just asking or I was more curious. Uh, what the general appetite you're seeing is from like builders within the ecosystem, like GameFi, DeFi, NFTs. Yeah. So, I mean, to be perfectly honest, it's, it's pretty crazy across the board. Um, so obviously the DeFi ecosystem is uh, pretty substantial. Uh, there's, I checked the, the stats the other day, there's about $8.5 billion of, of TBL on Solana today. Um, which is pretty impressive considering our DeFi ecosystem really got off the ground about 12 months ago. Um, but at the same time, we're, we're really seeing interest in uh, a lot of other areas um, that, I mean, you're, you're also seeing on other blockchains, like specifically like, like NFTs, but like there is, there are like emerging sectors in Solana that are gaining way more traction than you're seeing in other blockchain ecosystems. And one of those is uh, gaming in particular, just because Solana's architecture lends so much better to building games and that people can build for the long term without the worries that Solana is going to hit the same scalability ceilings that some of those uh, other smart contract platforms are going to. Um, so that's super exciting to see. Games are more of like a long-term play because it's not... Games are not simple like DeFi protocols where you can simply spin up a few contracts and like have people come deposit assets or start borrowing and lending. Games are uh, much more drawn out, have to build a solid user experience and have to make sure that you've thought through all the proper crypto economics. Um, like something like Axie was not built overnight. Um, so while we are seeing a lot of demand on the gaming side right now, it's I feel like it's going to take another two to three years for that to really play out. Uh, but definitely keep your eye on the gaming sector on Solana. As it comes to NFTs, um, the NFT ecosystem is just like taking off uh, like wildfire. Um, there's currently 1.1 million wallets on Solana that are holding NFTs. Um, 96,000 projects have been created, um, specifically via the Metaplex protocol. Um, so Metaplex, if you don't know, is effectively like our standard for NFTs. Um, it's an open source protocol where anyone can come and spin up their own NFT marketplace, mint, uh, auction or sell or secondary sell, um, NFTs. Um, and it's really stimulated a ton of growth in the Solana ecosystem in within NFTs. And it's also having some overlap with gaming, which is, which is super exciting. Um, but in the, in the like month and a half, it's been since uh, the end of 2021, uh, Solana NFTs have actually done more trading volume uh, than Ethereum NFTs have. Um, so I think the data is really starting to present itself, how exciting the Solana 
ecosystem is specifically in terms of NFTs. Um, and I think we're seeing a lot of that demand primarily because people are interested in NFTs. They're just not interested in paying hundreds of dollars for transfers and mints. Um, and that's, that's able to garner us a lot of user traction um, in the short term, but we're going to be looking to rapidly expand because I think the Ethereum NFT ecosystem has very quality projects that I don't think the level of quality has quite reached the Solana ecosystem yet. Um, I would really love to see more people doing uh, original art on the Solana blockchain rather than just like 10K generative PFP drops. Um, and I would also love to see more iteration on music NFTs on Solana, which uh, we're just starting to set the seeds with um, right now with the Metaplex team working on some product design around music NFTs and hopefully going to stimulate that over the course of the next couple of quarters. Yeah, well, that, a lot of information first off, but um, super cool to hear about, you know, eight and a half billion and and DeFi. That's, that's great. Um, and I knew there was a lot of Solana NFT like projects but i I didn't know it was that high um and you kind of had answered my second question which would have been like what do you believe the catalyst has been and that would have been metaplex which is really cool um so what area within crypto or blockchain are you most excited to uh, see get built out within solana uh it's a good question um i mean I'm a little biased because like I personally love like the finance side of crypto. Um, and I still think that, you know, it's not the exciting thing anymore. It feels like it's, you know, kind of set and a lot of the innovation has been done, but I feel like we're really just scratching the surface of some of the financial products that we can create on, uh, on crypto rails. Um, one of those projects um, that we invested in out of Solana Ventures and that is a Solana ecosystem project that I'm really excited about is a project called Parcel. Uh, Trevor is actually listening in right now, so shout out Trevor. Um, but uh, Parcel is a real estate derivatives protocol. So, if, so think about um, like using tokens to bet on certain um, neighborhoods uh, in, in, say, for example, your neighborhood. Say you bought a house in your neighborhood right now, the market's super hot, and you're worried that you overpaid. You can effectively use Parcel to go short your neighborhood's real estate prices um, and hedge your exposure to overpaying for that house. So that those are like some really novel financial primitives that I'm excited to see uh, on uh, just generally in DeFi, but specifically on Solana because. Uh, a lot of people are coming to Solana DeFi because of the the low fee environment and the high throughput. Um, and I think that like allowing for this this new architecture and this new um, open build space that Solana allows for is going to allow for more innovation in the DeFi sector. Um, and I'm super excited for the growth there. Um, but as I mentioned previously, the gaming the gaming stuff is is also super exciting. I just think it's going to take a little bit longer for for it to really play out. Yeah, I definitely think gaming is going to take a while. Just, I mean, I actually work at a P2E um, gaming studio, and it's, it's a lot of dev work and a lot of, like, artist work more than it is the, uh, like, business side or the marketing side. I mean, obviously, those are important as well, but um, it takes a lot of time to make something good. Yeah, you gotta you gotta build a you gotta build an engaging game that people want to keep coming back and playing. It's not uh, as easy as uh, you providing a service as like a trading venue or a, a lending protocol. Yeah, I I agree hundred percent. Chase, I saw you had unmuted. Did you want to ask something? Yeah, just kind of on that same topic, um, Ben. I like that's a really interesting use case with parcels. Um, <laughs> that is really short and shorting a neighborhood. Uh, I'm actually curious. So like. What what are what are some use cases of this like general like general use of this technology that's like just uh, just beyond the veil right like just outside current day narratives that you're kind of thinking about or tinkering with um, I'm just curious like from your own personal viewpoint if you had any uh, use cases that you think are really interesting uh, specifically in DeFi uh, or just more broadly um, in terms of um, you know Web three as a whole but yeah if it's in DeFi that that as well yeah I. I would say that something that's just emerging now, I mean, we've seen a couple examples of this is just collective ownership in something or community ownership in something. And I really think that the DAO space 
across every blockchain is really just just beginning to scratch the surface of what people can do when they put their minds and their money together. Um, and that's the thing that I love about cryptos. It's it's entirely global. Um, it's no longer, you know, getting together with a group of people who live in your neighborhood to talk about investing. It's like you're getting together with a group of people all over the world who share common ideals and common ways of thinking with you. Um, and you guys can coalesce around a DAO and choose to invest together or buy something or just be community activists. Um, and I really think that that's net positive for society um, and just for for in general uh, humans connecting uh, on a more global basis. Um, so the the DAO ecosystem is something that I'm super excited about. And like obviously things like Constitution DAO got a ton of um, uh, coverage, um, and I'm really really interested in making sure that we have the proper infrastructure to allow people to come and iterate with DAOs on Solana as they have on Ethereum and, and are going to on, on other blockchains. Yeah. And I, I know we had kind of touched on your role um, earlier, but I kind of want to circle back. So I'm just curious, like, you know, I'd imagine like in the BD role, you're, you're talking to builders all the time. And, and after going to ETH Denver, I feel like I have like kind of like a fresh perspective and kind of like a, a way that I view builders in the space. Um, and I'm kind of, it's like really inspiring, honestly. And so I'm just curious, like what, what are, what are like the pain points that you're hearing from builders? Like what are, what are some of the commonalities of, of building in this new innovative industry? Um, it's a good question. Uh, there's a lot of pain points. Um, you're, we're, we're for lack of a better term, building the plane as we're flying it, uh, in all respects, like not just Solana, like it on Ethereum, Avalanche, uh, near any any other blockchain that people are building, you're building with a limited tool set and the tool set is actually being built in tandem with your product being built. So, I mean, some of the biggest pain points are people build products that don't match with the infrastructure or don't match with the available tooling. And then that kind of informs that, okay, wait, I should go start this business that's going to build this tooling or this infrastructure product. Um, so the, the biggest pain point right now is that people are, <laughs> people are just way ahead of, of where the tech is right now. And that's why, like, I'm so encouraged by like, you know, when people come to me and they're like, oh my God, I'm late. I'm like, you're so not late. You are actually still so early because like basic, basic things are still very, very hard to do on blockchains. Like we don't even have like think about your non-crypto friends trying to interact with a dApp like compound or radium or serum um, explaining to them like public private key cryptography and how they need to like keep a 24 word phrase safe from anybody otherwise you know all their money is gone so i think there's just like general improvements in the in the infrastructure of how crypto is built and the general user experience that we need to like strive to fix. Um, and I think that's the biggest pain point that a lot of people are running into is because even like I'll take gaming, for example, we can build a fantastic game. But right now, the the total addressable market for that game is only like realistically like a few million crypto users um you can build a cool game but unless you abstract away all of the crypto you're not going to capture any any market outside of the people who know how to use a, a metamask wallet or you know how to use a phantom wallet so i think that's a that's a limiting factor that people need to be conscious of right now and how early the the space is yeah, that it's so true. That point you touched on about imagine your non crypto native friend trying to interact with like Compound or one of these DeFi protocols. I I vividly remember um, when I was first venturing into DeFi, like pulling up one of the DApps and like looking at it. And at this point, I'd already been in the space for um, you know at least a couple of years by then, and I was actually still extremely kind of like uh, timid <laughs> to, to get involved. I was like, I don't even know what all this means. What is this? It felt, it was very, uh, a nerve wracking type like experience. So I can only imagine. And so kind of like on that, um, same topic, it's like, are we going to see kind of traditional enterprise solutions come into the space and they're going to keep their networks and they'll interact with a lot of these say like DeFi applications on the back end? So they'll, they'll keep their same customers, but maybe they'll they'll pivot their product offerings to uh, offer more competitive rates. But really on the back end, the enterprise is actually the one interacting with the DeFi protocols and not so much of, um, you know, 
billions of users interacting individually. Yeah, that's honestly something that, you know, I, I battle with uh, internally with myself is the easy path here is for us to build basically what you just described is like a custodial solution where, you know, you, you, someone is abstracting away all the crypto complexity and allowing you to interface with these dApps, but you're creating another central point of failure. So I feel like that's the easy route that that we probably shouldn't take because we're at risk of re-centralizing the entire system that we just tried to move away from. Um, I think that it's just me being short-sighted. I think that the the tech will get better or the and in tandem, the, the education of people interacting with this tech will get better. And I think like you can attribute it back to like how the internet was in like the, the mid nineties, like people interacting with the internet back then, it was just early adopters and people who like took the time to learn how it, how it works. And then over time, you know, just the, the course of people iterating on this tech for 15, 20 years, it just became simply usable to the point where everybody has their own PC now. And, you know, you don't, you don't need to like use command line to interface with Facebook or something like that. You know, people just figure out solutions that end up working without sacrificing um, the, 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 the key values of, of what we've built here. Totally. Yeah. And I, I guess I, 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 th- I do think that there will be like a hybrid approach. I, I think there will be centralization and I don't, necessarily have like a you know i I don't think it's all bad that we have centralization because i think just a lot of people just don't care right like they they don't care to kind of be responsible for their own money um but i do agree with you like i think as we make it more and more easy to be responsible for your own data or your own money your own finances where it may be um we'll see more and more people kind of go to like self-custody yeah and 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 to that point it also certain use cases need more self-custody and decentralization than other use cases. Like, like everybody today acquires their crypto for the most part through a centralized service where Coinbase or whoever interfaces with your bank account, gives you a credit, you use that to buy crypto and then you take your crypto somewhere else. And that's a very good solution. You know, like I wouldn't recommend keeping your, uh, keeping millions of dollars on Coinbase for a longer than, uh, needed amount of time, move it into self custody, but for the service of just acquiring that crypto, it works. And so it's like, like while DEXs do exist for convenience of like using in DeFi and for some certain assets, um, Coinbase will likely always exist and should always exist. And it doesn't matter that that is like a centralized point of like fiat on ramp, uh, because like it, it's a it's a temporary thing that you're just like not locked into. It's not like you need Coinbase in order to interact with all the applications that have been built. Yeah, um, I was just gonna say, kind of um, last point I wanted to kind of touch on. Um, you know, wh- where do you see the Solana ecosystem from a like a VD perspective uh, heading towards the next two to three years? That's a good question. Um, if you would have asked me that same question a year ago, I would have told you it would have been cool if we got like 100 million of TBL on Solana DeFi. And here we are 12 months later and we have a thriving NFT ecosystem, $8.5 billion in DeFi TBL and a, a budding gaming ecosystem. And now like DAOs and things like Solana Pay that like I literally couldn't have imagined 12 months ago. Um, so two to three years down the line, Frankly, I, I really don't know. That's a that's a long time horizon. Um, in the next six to twelve months, we just just know that you know the ecosystem, the validator network, Solana Labs, Solana Foundation are hyper focused on making sure that we fix any pain points that are immediately blocking people in the ecosystem. Where people are working day and night on uh, on making sure the network is as robust as possible and that uptime is is 99.99% um, and that people in the DeFi ecosystem are working on better tooling to make it easier to build applications and to make it uh, uh, easier for these, these users to interface with the applications that they've built. Um, so I'm really excited. Like, look, we talked about this at the beginning of the, of the, the chat, but um, even though market prices have declined almost like 50, 60% since the top, I'm really excited for the period that comes after that is that the froth is kind of removed and people are focused on 
fixing the tech and building new and cool stuff that we can then get excited about over the next two to three years and hopefully, you know, celebrate this time back in this time in, in 2024, 2025. Absolutely. And as my bio says, and then for the tech, I'm right yeah. there with you. <laughs> hey Ben, near the, uh, near the end of the show, we always like to leave time for guests to come on if they want to ask questions or are you game for that? Yeah, for sure. Hey, if anyone in the audience wants to come on, feel free to hit that request button. We'll let you on one of the time to ask questions. Uh, but in the meantime, Ben, just really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to come on and speak to us. It's been awesome to hear your perspective on Solana and the market. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, plus one to what you two said. I think we got a, we got a few people requesting. What's up, T? Welcome to the stage. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, th- thank you very much, Ben. That was that was incredibly informative, especially on the, the January part and, and learning that stuff. But uh, but we're working on, it's also in the real estate space, but different from Parcel, but we're working on the construct of a physical primitive and in raw land is, a, is the atomic unit of, of real estate. What's the, what would sort of like be looking? Well, what should we be looking at in different chains and stuff like that for 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 stuff in the in the real estate space? Uh, in terms of just infrastructure, or like what has uh, what has allowed Parcel to or brought Parcel to the Solana ecosystem in comparison to others? The latter. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the thing that brought Parcel to the ecosystem and I think will bring the broader financialized uh, products is that uh, Solana seems to be the only place that large financial firms have come to consensus on that this infrastructure meets the needs of what we need for trading. Um, so you see that right now with some of the partners that we have in the Solana ecosystem, Jump Trading, um, or Tiger Global, or all of these, like any any of these large entrenched financial firms that are actively trading on Solana DeFi, are trading on Solana DeFi because the trading interfaces are much like they're used to in the New York Stock Exchange, and they can rely on these interfaces to do their normal business. And this gives them access to crypto because they can trade in DeFi, but it's not much different than what they're doing uh, currently in their normal trading businesses on equities and everything like that. So the reason that Parcel came into the Solana ecosystem is they are anticipating Solana being this place where traditional finance firms are comfortable uh, trading in DeFi, and they want to be on on that venue where when the time comes uh, that lots of firms are trading in Solana DeFi, that they have access to Parcel and Parcel can then build their liquidity in their protocol um, for, for since, since all of these these firms are already uh, trading here in this venue. Cool. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks for coming on, T. Do we have some other folks? Yeah, we got Canuck. What up, Canuck? Hey, Canuck, welcome. Oh, hey, uh, thanks for having me uh, up, and uh, this is a great conversation. Um, uh, so uh, I, I kind of have two questions, uh, not, uh, you know, not FUD questions, but just kind of my own curiosity. Uh, there is a growing sentiment, you know, against um, kind of VC money, and a lot of projects on Solana has kind of that angle of VC money. And I know you you store for uh, Multicoin Capital. You, you, uh, like, like, what do you say to that kind of anti kind of VC sentiment that's kind of growing within the community in crypto? Uh, the second question is is um, uh, yeah, I, I know you mentioned Jump Crypto. I think they did a great job in kind of bailing out, a, uh, uh, following the wormhole hack, which was, uh, you know, a very bad event. You know, is it? Uh, so, 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 my second question is: is is there a limit to um, amount of money you know investors and institutional investors are willing to bail out DeFi protocols and things like that? That's my two questions. Thank you. Yeah. Sure. Um, so to address your first question, um, I, 
again, I'm, I'm likely biased having worked in VC, but I've seen the value that VC can bring. Um, I've also seen the, the detriment that some VCs who are just uh, capital allocators and don't actually help projects um, cause. Uh, so I'm more skewed towards the active VC where you're contributing capital, but at the same time, you're actually like guiding the projects. And like when my time at Multicoin, all of the VC investments that we made, we were very active with those projects. Uh, one of the specific ones that I worked on when I was there was uh, Helium. Um, which I'm, I'm sure a few of you are, are familiar with, but Helium's effectively like an IoT network, uh, a bootstrapped IoT network that is, was bootstrapped via a blockchain. Um, so people were compensated in tokens for running this IoT network and it kind of bootstrapped this IoT network. And now a bunch of people are joining the network because it's robust and it's like global. Um, so when they came to us, they were like, hey, we think the solution for this to bootstrap this network is crypto. How do we do it? We were like, okay, we'll invest, but we'd also want to help craft your network and build the token economics around that. So I really do think that there's a value that VCs can bring because they do have a very broad view of what's happening in the space and a collective network that they can basically funnel into your project. Um, so that's like my own experience at Multicoin. Like we were very value add when, when I was there uh, in addition to our, our capital. Um, but I, I, I do know the, the narrative that you're talking about that, like a lot of people are, uh, knocking against current Solana projects because they've declined heavily in price and have like poor token distribution or token economic models. And frankly, like it may look scammy from the outside or people in other ecosystems looking into the Solana ecosystem and seeing these horrible token economic structures. But honestly, it's after talking to these teams, it's just a product of inexperience and general ignorance about crypto and the general ignorance about how to start a company and specifically a crypto company. So that's one of the things that I'm hyper-focused on over the next like six to 12 months is making sure that the community is properly educated about creating good token economic structures so that they incentivize their holders for the long term. so that, you know, it's not realistic that they're going to build a fully fledged product in six to 12 months. But maybe two to three years down the line, uh, at the point where their investors start vesting, they'll have a very quality product and people won't be dumping. And, you know, it's a great it's a great outcome for everybody, the project, the, the VC investors and any retail who believed in the project along the way. Um, and then the second question that you had about uh, people like Jump Crypto bailing out uh, other projects, um, this was I, I can't speak to the likelihood of something like this happening again. But for people who don't know, um, Jump Crypto acquired Certus One and Certus One is the creator of Wormhole. So since Jump Crypto acquired Wormhole, they felt obligated to fill the gap because it's such an integral part of the Solana ecosystem. And they were effectively like the owners of, of the, the team that had originally built that. So that's the reason why they felt obligated to to to, to fill the hole um, from the wormhole hack. Um, I don't think that if you know in the future uh, if someone creates another bridge that's not associated, you know, it's just a one-off project that's not associated with any other you know large trading firm. I don't think that there's a likelihood that um, a firm like Jump will step in and plug the hole because they they don't have any sort of uh, incentive alignment. that answer all, uh, all your questions, Kendak? Yeah, no, no, thank you so much. It was very informative and thank you for, uh, you know, honestly answering all the questions. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming up, Kendak. Yeah, thank you, Kendak. Always base, as, as always. Um, if anyone else wants to request, I'll give, it a, I'll give it another second here. Just as we're waiting, uh, Ben, we do record these and put them right, on gents, YouTube. I think, I think that's it. Oh. Are you cool with that, Ben? More. Yeah, for sure. No problem. Cool. I see Seed, Seed Society wants to say hello. What's up, Seed Society? Hi there. Thank you so much for hosting this space. I wanted to ask about Ben's opinion in the Solana NFT space. Like, what are some interesting plays that you've had a night on or how do you see it evolving? Um, 
so I touched on this a bit earlier, but uh, the NFT space is like super exciting right now. Um, just really bullish on the Metaplex project and the protocol that they built and the product roadmap that's in the pipeline. Um, after they do a few code optimizations to just make it more simple and reduce current minting costs, um, the stuff that I'm really excited about is um, things like they're building a standard for music NFTs on Solana. Um, and I think that's just at the perfect time because that trend is really starting to pick up on Ethereum. Um, and I would love for the Solana ecosystem to have the proper tools for music NFTs to take off. Um, and we've kind of, it goes hand in hand with some of the partnerships that we have. Uh, obviously, a lot of people saw the Coachella NFTs um, that were launched via FTX on Solana um, a few weeks ago. And then we also have Audius and their entire reward system on Solana as well. So the the combination of NFTs, music NFTs, and some of these other music providers um, like Audius and partners like Coachella, um, I think are going to be like a really awesome breeding ground for a lot of really cool creator-driven applications. So keep your eye out specifically on Metaplex and on the uh, the music NFT side of, of Solana. Yeah, that resonates. Thank you so much. Thanks for, thanks for the question, Seed. All right, guys, we'll do one more. Then we'll call it a night. I see uh, your vine wants to say hello. Hey, what's up, guys? Great to see Ben here. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I think two two things I want to add to the NFT part, you know, like, so I, I was contributed to Metaplex and also an advisor. I think something that's exciting that's coming to Metaplex is... Uh... Whoa, 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 wait, wait, Irvin, 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 you, you're, you're glossing over, you're glossing over a lot here. This is a, this is a, a, a legend in the Solana ecosystem here. Um, the, what, give, give your full credential so everyone, everyone knows who you are. <laughs> I think I think Kristenitsi knows, but I think you know I got into this uh, officially. I would say into Solana Eco um, uh, early last year, and just you know the DeFi hackathon. I've been you know contributing to Metaplex early on, an advisor, and you know I don't know, just been doing cool stuff really in Solana. And we have a game, we have a wallet. But <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty on the spot, but I wanted to share like two things that are, I think are, are quite exciting. They're coming to Metaplex and Solana, and it relates to like private NFTs or just the notion of having private NFTs. So keep an eye for that, you know, essentially being able to have private metadata, which kind of opens up for opportunities, you know, for different kinds of user experiences. You know, think about the unlocking of an NFT. What does that look like? Think about unlocking a, a movie or a song, right? That nobody can access to uh, access prior to it. And the other thing, uh, I think that it's been kind of in the works, if you look into the, the repositories, is something related to metaverse and interoperability between NFTs. So if you guys kind of like do a bit of due diligence, you look into the repository, you see something that's coming up and it's nothing private, it's already public. And so I think that's exciting because essentially we'll have a, a, a protocol or a standard in terms of how NFTs interact across different games, how we can, you know, cross them over. I just wanted to share those two things with you guys, you know, just to add to what Ben was saying. Yeah, Thanks, awesome. Sir. Yeah, we drop were... Uh... Dropping alpha. <laughs> yeah, I got to check. I got to scoop that up. I got to look into that. Uh, yeah, we're, even, uh, we're sorry we didn't get the meetup at ETH Denver, bro. We, <laughs> we all just got super busy. Yeah, all over the place. I was rocking the shades, though, throughout the whole time. So people were just looking at us like, you're in Solana and you're at ETH Denver. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, it's it's all good. We saw some people from uh, Avalanche there as well. I think it's it's a great networking event. Good to good to connect with other people and get other perspectives, right? So yeah, it's also no shade, uh, no shade towards the line of people that were hanging out yeah, at the event. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's also a a positive sum game. I mean, everyone like likes to be adversarial, and I guess that's the base nature of of crypto when everyone has financial stakes in in these different networks. But I mean, ultimately, like everyone's going to learn from the innovation of what everybody else is working on. And I'm sure there are some things that the Ethereum community is going to get right. That Solana is going to get wrong, that the avalanche community is going to get right. So um, I, I, I ultimately like, I really try and stray away from any of that uh, combative nature of crypto, because I think it's, it's ultimately a positive sum win-win uh, WGMI. <laughs> 
yeah, the, the community is so small, you know, it's, it's not really, it's not really big at all. Like the entire, the entire industry is probably like, you know, a few thousand developers and whatnot. It's, it's pretty niche. Uh, so just going to like these events and meeting up with people and you really get a sense of like the community. And I also really just enjoy like uh, the non-negative vibe. Uh, I think everyone I met was just like super positive, uh, willing to talk, willing to collaborate. Um, and it was like a nice break from crypto Twitter where I've just seen like a lot of arguing on my timeline and like negativity. Um, so I really just enjoyed the in-person uh, event. And I'll, I think the whole team is looking forward to doing more of these in the future. Uh, yeah. So bad. Like if you know of any Solana events, let us know. Cause you never know. We might just pack up and, yeah. and head over. There's, a, there's actually one coming up relatively shortly. I mean, I don't know where everybody is in the world, um, but there's a, a Prague Hacker House next week. Um, and then March 14th to the 18th, we are doing NYC Hacker House. So uh, there's no there's no specific agenda. I mean, there are going to be some panels at the Hacker House, but basically what these Hacker Houses are, if anybody wants to stop by, you don't have to be a developer. You could just be a community member. There's a lot of tables just set up with monitors where anybody can plug in and just get to work on some applications that they're building or network with people that are there and just like, you know, generally like grind on, on uh, Solana projects. So that's going to be coming up March 14th to the 18th in New York City. And uh, we'll be uh, announcing some more details around location and everything very shortly. Um, I'm actually curious off of the New York one. Are you guys requiring or is the event requiring um, mandatory vaccine? Uh, it's a good question. I don't know. I do know that the LA one was requiring vaccine or negative test within the last 72 hours. Um, so it's possible, but I will uh, get back to you on that. Cool. Thank you. All right, Jen. So I think we could wrap it up here. Uh, ben, if you want to plug anything, uh, feel free to plug like your socials or where, where people can stay in touch and follow you. Yeah, guys, um, hit me on Twitter. Uh, that's where I am most most days uh, at Benny Bitcoins. Um, that's the place to get me. Right on. All right, y'all. Stay based. Stay based, Stay everyone. Based. Have a good night. Thanks, guys. Based space.